Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat teaching by Rabbi Rebecca Schatz. Those of you who have learned with me now since 2015 um, know, know that sometimes I go very deep into one topic or one verse or sometimes even one word with a bunch of different commentators. And sometimes I bring no commentators because I actually want us to focus just on what the text is offering to us. That's not to say that commentators didn't say anything about what we're about to talk about, but sometimes when we look at commentaries, it it takes away from our own kind of creative experience of imagining what it is that we can do to connect this to, to the topic that I'm going to introduce. So it's, I am not a big New Year's Eve person. I, I realize that it's tonight and it's very exciting and tomorrow will be 2023. And that's also very exciting. Maybe, I don't even really know that I care, but, <laughs> but tomorrow will be the beginning of, of a new year and a new month. And it's just so interesting that tonight we also started the last book of Torah such that next week, the first Shabbat of 2023, we'll be saying chazak, chazak, venit chazek. And that's the phrase that we say when we are finishing up, uh, really uh, the end of anything, but, but most of us here, when we're finishing up a book of Torah and moving on to the next book of Torah. And it's also kind of how we feel about finishing out a year, right? You, we've been seen for months. I feel like it starts earlier and earlier every year now, but we've been seen for months. You know, Spotify puts out the, all the songs that you listened to. And if you're on social media platforms, they show you the, the people who you've spoken to most or the, the pictures that you looked at most, et cetera, et cetera. Everybody wants us to recall the year before, which we do for Rosh Hashanah in terms of our actions, and then think forward to, to the next year, which in our case, this year is 2023. So what I did was instead of focusing in on a particular verse or comment or even subject, um, I wanted us to look at different um, sections, I guess you could call them, I made them into sections, but different pieces of this week's Parsha that reflect the feelings that we might have going into a new year, that we might, re that we might think of at the end of one year and going into the next year. So the Parshat Vayechi is, the, as I said before, is the, is the last Parsha of, of the book of Breshit. And it is not only the part, everyone always says, oh, it's the partial where Joseph dies. Yeah, it's the partial where Joseph dies. It's also the partial where Jacob dies, which is really interesting. They both die in the same parsha, not at the same time, but not so far away from one another, like maybe a chapter or two from one another. Uh, Jacob dies first and then, and then Joseph later on. And Jacob's death, as we'll see in just a moment, is a really big deal because of Joseph's reaction to it. And Joseph's death is less of a big deal, but is, but is the end of our book of Breshit. And as uh, Bob Braun mentioned earlier today in his drash, the book of Breshit really is mostly about Joseph. I mean, when we talk ratio of, of characters, he's really, he takes up the most partiot of any, of any other character that we have in Breshit. So we're going to look through these different, again, I made them into sections. Um, we're going to skip around a little bit, starting at the beginning of Parshat Vayechi. And then we're going to look 
just ever so briefly into Parshat Shmot to see how not only how the metaphorical year ends and but the next one also begins. Does everybody kind of get the the framing for what we're doing here? Okay, great. So each one of these passages, I'm interested in knowing from you, how does this reflect or how does this mirror or how does this um, connote, if you want to think about it that way, the end of a year going into going into the next or the end of something going into the next of something. Okay, so Brayshit. 48, chapter 48, verse 8 through 11. If those of you on Zoom have the sheet, wonderful. And if not, I'll just tell you what the what the verses are. Okay. So the verses start off, these verses start off by saying, Vayar Israel b'nei Yosef, Vayomer mi Ela. And Joseph, uh, Israel, sorry, Jacob, sees Joseph's sons and he says, who are these guys? Right, he doesn't know them because Joseph has had this whole basically parallel life that Jacob has had nothing to do with. And so when Jacob first sees Joseph's sons for the first time, Jacob says, who are, who are they? And Joseph said to his father, they are my sons whom God has given me here. Bring them up to me, he said, Jacob says, that I may bless them. Now Israel's eyes were dim with age, he could not see. So Joseph brought them close to him and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see you again. And here God has let me see your children as well. So first of all, what does this remind us of? What does this moment remind us of? Yitzchak. It's like almost verbatim what happens when Yitzchak is giving Esav and Jacob their blessings. Right? His eyes are dim. He doesn't know who they are. He asks who they are. They have to, in, in that case, Rebecca, but in this case, Joseph has to say who the, who the people are in front of him. And then the father figure, in this case, Jacob, says, let me bless them. He's doing exactly what his father did for him. And it's being, it's being played out here again for him, for his, grand, for his grandkids. Okay, what is this? What does this general little narrative here make you think of in terms of the end of something or the end of a year going into another year, the reflection piece? Yeah, Alan. Uh, it's a generational component. He was at the end of his life, and now he's looking at grandchildren. Great. That he never expected to see. Great. And I think AJ just said, Lador Vador, right? This idea that we are moving he knows that he is no longer going to be alive, at least for much longer, and recognizes that you need to pass those things on to the next generation. And in his mind and in his family's mind, we know that that comes in the form of blessing. So when we're thinking about, again, just the way in which we've been kind of societally told to think about a year in review, the idea of thinking back and thinking forward, right? What, what has come before me that I should now bestow on those who are going to come, come ahead of me and be my future? Anything else people are noticing in this narrative? Yeah, Rebecca. Yeah. Interesting. 
Great. So it's possible it's it's possible that there's some meaning in in terms of the skipping of a generation. What we didn't see, I, I just didn't bring it for today, is that there is this whole passage. It might actually be an entire parak um, of Joseph giving his children what he calls blessings. If you really read into them, I'm not sure if they're all such blessings, but he at least tells them who they're going to be when they grow up. Um, and so he's he doesn't skip a generation completely, but in this moment, the blessing that he's giving is skipping that generation, going to the grandchildren instead of to the children, which is fascinating and still shows that really forward thinking, right? Like he's he's dealt with his kids. Now he's really trying to do that for his for his grandkids. Yes, I know. Sure, sure. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. I, beautiful. I think that has totally to do with the framework. This idea of gratitude, no matter what you've been through or what you've experienced, and in terms of Joseph and Jacob, it's been very tumultuous, that you still come to this place of gratitude when you know that you're on the precipice of something else, right? So when we think about a whole year, the whole year might not have been great. Right. For a lot of people in this room, there were many difficult moments this past year that you're ready to not necessarily leave behind in a forgetful way, but be able to not have them in the coming year. And so to be able to say, I'm so grateful for the year that I had, even if it had its challenges or even in their case, if we had our challenges. Yeah. Chaim. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Right, that there is this this fix, this tikkun between between Joseph and Jacob, and and I would even venture to say with Joseph's kids, right, because Jacob doesn't really know them because he was so out of his out of his life, and maybe even Joseph's brothers, right? They're not in this particular picture here, but the tikkun could very much be between Joseph and his brothers. The fact that that Jacob is able to to even give this blessing that they were able to all come together in this past week's Parsha. Yeah, right, right. Adrian, we can say that. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, so that goes back to Rebecca's, um, Rebecca's statement before, right, of the skipping of the generation of, you know, is there is there a reason that we don't hear about the kids before we hear about the grandkids? If you look in the Parsha right before this, there is a list of, you know, Reuven, you are going to be like the blah, 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 and the blah, 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 and Levi, it goes through all of them. Um, and I want to say blah, 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 because I don't have a chumash in front of me. But if I had it in front of me, I could tell you <laughs> exactly what it says. But, um, but they're not particularly, they're not blessings. They're in the form of blessing. My guess, there is a lot in the Gemara, actually, about Joseph's sons, surprisingly. Uh, nothing I can quote off offhand, but because they were such unknown and yet important characters, there is quite a bit that our rabbis uh, speak about in the, in the Gemara. I don't think that... I think it's a big deal, and I think it probably doesn't matter at all. Like, I, th I think that, that Jacob probably gave to his kids what what we consider to be blessings in the form of i know you really well i can see that this is where you're headed for your future he didn't really know his grandkids so i think when he went to actually say something to them for their future it came into the form of blessing because it was this is what i hope for you right it wasn't oh i know you and therefore you're going to be a such and such person Yeah. <laughs> Bless you. 
Oh, totally. Right. So we're gonna we're gonna get to that passage right now. So hold that question, and then and then let's let's get there. So um, so AJ's talking about this passage that comes next. It's just, it's about seven verses later, uh, ver, uh, chapter forty eight, verse seventeen. Vayar Yosef. Sorry, I have to hold it close to my face. Vayar Yosef kiashit aviv yad yamino al rosh Ephraim veyera beenav vaitmoch yad aviv lehasir oto me al rosh Ephraim al rosh menashe. So. When Joseph saw that his father was putting his right hand on Ephraim's head, he thought that he was making a mistake, right? So he he takes his father's hand and he goes to make it right, so to speak. Now, interesting, if you think back to the Jacob story, you know, he should he should know better. <laughs> he should know better than to move his hands because Jacob, who's the one giving the blessings, did exactly that. Right. I mean, he he didn't use he wasn't the one with the hands. He was the one getting the blessing. But still, this idea of of the the hands being important as to where they're placed. Joseph should have known that. But OK, let's keep going. Uh, so Joseph says to his father, this it's not so don't do it this way. Because the other the other kid you you're supposed to put your right hand on his head right you have your you have that right hand on the younger child not the older child who's supposed to receive it but his father objected saying i know my son i know he too shall become a people and he too shall be great yet his younger brother shall be greater than he and his offspring shall be plentiful enough for nations so to go back to aj's question did he have some divine providence that his hands needed to be switched such that the younger of the two got the got the quote better of the blessing. Sure, it could also be the case that he saw something in him that he that made him look like he was going to be stronger and more able. I I have I have really no idea. Um, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, that's why AJ had the question. Yeah, yeah. Well, sort of, except for if you think about it in the opposite, if you think about how we judge people negatively, we do that very quickly, right? So it's, it's possible, right? If you see someone, I don't mean negative in terms of their character. I mean, if you see someone walking down the street and they seem disheveled, right? And, and you might move a little bit more out of the way so that you won't encounter them because you might be concerned as to what that encounter might be. I'm not saying that's the right thing to do. I'm just saying that's that's generally the human thing that we do. So it's possible that that Jacob just had a really natural way of not only seeing, not only reading a person based on those kinds of features, but maybe he really did see something in these kids that he could tell based off of how they were playing with each other or how they were interacting. I mean, I'm completely drushing. None of this is written anywhere, but but it's possible that he just could tell based on their attitude in the world that one was better than the other, or it could be divine, right? Or it could have been that he had some connection with God telling him, no, no, this child is going to be greater than the other. So I'm going to, or maybe those two things are the same. Beautiful. Yeah. Right. Or did you have your hand up? Yeah. <laughs> right.
Right. Well, and to go to, to go back to the original framing, right? That if we know that these are going to the pe going to be the people who create nations for our people, not to be redundant, that that it's important that when we think about a chapter closing and another chapter opening, which in our own Torah is the end of one book and the beginning of another, it's important to know who those people are gonna be that are gonna be able to be strong and lead us in, in masterful ways, rather than just be like the nice, the nice guy, right? That, that Joseph, sorry, Jacob, really needed to think about who those people were gonna be. I just don't have a good answer as to how he knew which hand was to was to go where, and that, I'm sure that that I'm sure there are commentaries on it, but I don't. Rebecca Schatz doesn't have an answer for you. Were you going to say something, Joel? I was just going to say, according to Rashi, uh, Jacob did have a relationship with with Ephraim. He said he taught him the truth. Oh, before this? Oh, <laughs> really? Oh, okay. I, I I wasn't sure if that little moment was. Yeah. Oh, we, oh, I see. I, I was like, what? there's something that I'm not catching on to. What Joel just said was that according to the rabbis, there's this under, or Rashi, uh, there's this understanding that, that Joseph, Jacob, I don't know, I keep doing that. Jacob had a relationship with Ephraim that they used to study Talmud together. Now, the joke in that is that the Talmud didn't exist when they existed. Um, I I did not catch on to that as quickly as everybody else in the room did, but um, but yeah, I think but that's right. That's where the Talmud comes in. That the rabbi or Rashi come in where the rabbis are trying to make an understand. That's why I didn't want to bring commentaries because I wanted us to be able to think kind of beyond like what are the answers that they're giving, which uh, that makes no sense. It's lovely, but it makes no sense, right? So, so what, why was it, right? This question that AJ is asking that we, that we can only think about beautiful answers to, well, how could it be that, that Jacob knew to, to switch his arms? That, yeah, Rebecca. Oh, interesting. Mm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It was intentional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It's, it, that's interesting that, that maybe this, in terms of that idea of tikkun, that this is actually showing us that that, that wasn't quote wrong or done or done in a haphazard way. It was really done with intention and and a knowing that those those two people had to re receive different blessings based on who they were going to be for us. That there was no um, malintent in terms of how how Rebecca or or Isaac went about it, but that was actually what was intended for the two of them. That's very interesting. Um, when I read this passage, the thing that I thought about immediately in terms of the end of a year is that sometimes we have to think about things with a different framework to be able to be okay with them when we move on, <laughs> right? That Sometimes we look back at our year and something that was either very challenging or a mistake we made or bless you, something that that happened that in the moment felt like we were never going to get out of it. I'm not talking about, you know, tragedy or, or anything, um, anything really terrible, but but maybe we uh, I can't think of a good example right now, but like a mistake we made or something that was hard for us to get over that sometimes when we're thinking back, when we're recalling a year, we have to give ourselves a little bit of the benefit of the doubt and wonder if that wasn't a lesson that we needed to learn, right? That that wasn't something that was kind of done with it. It was really terrible in the moment. It was a bad challenge, 
but then we were able to get through it to be better people, hopefully, right? That there's a way of kind of looking at things from the other side to be able to reflect in such a way that anything that had happened was was for me to experience so that I could move through it. Again, I, I would never say that to someone who's in grief or someone who went through a terrible tragedy. I don't think that those things align. But I'll tell you a funny story. This didn't happen this year. Um, when I was working in Northern California, but I was still running Col Tefila uh, for Betham, I had talked to everybody here, so Rabbi Klickfeld and Cantor Chorney, and we had gone through all the dates that we were going to have this uh, next conference, and it was going to be the conference that I ended up actually, I had been hired by the time that conference happened, but it was going on during, the, uh, the preparation for it was going on during my interview, and and so everything was like a little bit more complicated and I was looking at dates everywhere, every calendar because I didn't work here. So I had to work at my look at my calendar. Anyway, long story short, we sent out this huge email to everybody that we knew, everybody who had ever been to a cult of conference, sending out the date. It was going to be February 21st, 2020. And we sent it out and it was so great. And about, I don't know, three days later, I decided, well, maybe I should put in my own calendar so that I remember it for the next year. Lo and behold, it was my cousin's wedding and I was officiating. And I hadn't put it on my calendar for the same reason I hadn't put Colt to on my calendar yet because I just figured I would remember. And so I, I was mortified and I had to send out this terrible email um, that apologized and said we would find another date, et cetera, et cetera. And it was... I was mortified. It was a it was a terrible experience. It didn't cause anybody any harm, thank goodness. But it makes me write emails differently now, right? When I know that something's going out to a large group of people, I write them very differently and check lots of lots of places. So that's a very small, you know, not really consequential example to this. But the way in which we think about things we've done and then reflect on them sometimes allows us to have a better perspective on them moving forward. Okay, this next one is pretty obvious, um, but Genesis 49, verse 1, it says, So Jacob called to his sons, So I'm going to tell you what's going to happen after my days are over. At the end of my days is what it says. So Jacob um, finished telling his sons what he had to tell them, and he drew his feet into the bed, and he breathed his last breath, and then he was gathered to his kin. Now, just very interestingly, uh, is the same word that Yosef, uh, stems from, so it is an interesting use of words for his last moments. Vayipol Yosef al pnei aviv, vayevk elav, vayishak lo. So Joseph falls on the face of his father, and he cries literally upon him, and he kisses him. So I'm just going to speak to this one, then we're going to go to the next one, because I'm just looking at the, at the time here. But it's obvious that when we go through a year, it means that there are people we've lost. Whether there are people that we've lost that we were close to or people in our community that we've lost that we heard about and saw the repercussions of it in our community. 
or people just in the world that we know have been lost, whether due to tragedy or due to uh, the way in which we care for people in this world. Um, and, and that is always something that we think back on. And when you think back on a year, you undoubtedly think back on the wonderful things and also the things that were quite hurtful and that brought us grief. Um, so I thought that this was particularly poignant because it definitely is a part of, it's the reason that we have Yisker at Yom Kippur, right? The way that we start off our Jewish new year is to remember those who have allowed us to come into this year and be in this year, but who we are missing going into the next one. The, the one piece of this that I wanted to, to point out that I think is, um, is quite poignant is that he gathers, Jacob gathers his sons to him, which we've now talked about quite a, quite a bit, and that's when he goes, right? That there, there is something, we've had, I think, six deaths in this past week. There is something about time of year where you see a certain, I don't know what the exact word is, but um, like it has a certain reputation for being a time where people pass away. I'm sure, Chaim, you see, you see this quite a bit. Uh, Yeah, so I think that there's there's something to just realizing that in a moment where people are recalling a year with people, that this is also potentially a time of year that right on the precipice of a new year, people are 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 wondering what a new year is going to be like without those people around. Um, correct, correct, correct. Yeah, if they can, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yes, yes. Hmm. Sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think we all celebrate and all commemorate and all reflect in different ways, right? I think that that is really, it's it's an important thing to do. I think being Jewish, we're lucky that we kind of have it twice in our, in our calendar, that we do it really deeply and intensely at the beginning of our year in, right, September, October-ish time for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And then in the secular year, we get to do it again now. And so some people feel more connected to when your calendar shifts from 2022 to 2023 and others from 5782 to 5783. So it just, but yes, I think, I think you're right that we all are dealing with that celebration and that commemoration differently. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. 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 That's great. That's a great, that's a great outlook. Um, so yeah. So, yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. That not only is he to the people who he's closest to, but also those who came before him. Yeah. Yeah. So this next piece is um, might take a little bit of a stretch, but I'll be very impressed if someone can can connect it. Um, it's actually this next piece is what made me think of doing this teaching this way. But so it says here, Joseph went up to bury his father and with him went all of the officials of Pharaoh, the senior members of his court and all of Egypt's dignitaries. Together with all of Joseph's household, his brother and his father's household, only their children, their flocks and their herds were left in the region of Goshen. Any thoughts as to how that's connecting? Yeah, AJ. Uh, in contrast with Pesach, in which way? Mm. Mm. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> right. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's really, that's fascinating. 
That's really fascinating. You should remember that for when we read that part of Shmoke. That's a fascinating parallel. I, I do, I do think that Rabbi could, could, would you repeat for zoom? Yes, I can try. <laughs> um, yeah, so AJ was pointing out that this seems to be kind of a parallel or mirror to what we then experience in reading about the the um, Egyptians during the Passover story and the way in which they deal with their flocks and their stuff and their families, which is almost opposite to how we're now seeing these Egyptians gather together with uh, the family to go up to bury their father. Yes. Do you want to just say it? This might be easier. So the, the, the contrast between the way the Egyptians and the dignitaries go up with uh, the, with Joseph, the, the bones of Jacob and his offspring, right. as opposed to at Passover where, where they're, not going along, and then they have to follow writing down on the on the Hebrews. However, um, it also it occurred to me there's a, a little bit of a parallel there between when uh, Jacob returns from with the chariots with, with when Jacob comes back home. Oh, uh, after serving Laban and oh oh, and oh yeah yeah sorry sorry his, I was Joseph, and he's yeah. got he's got a whole bunch of flocks and, and mm -hmm. he's got wives and kids and all mm -hmm. of this and he separates them mm. so he's, he's handling he's doing something separate there mm -hmm. too it's a little bit of another contrast mm. interesting interesting sandra you can just leave it yeah oh interesting yeah great beautiful beautiful so sandra mentioned that that this seems to be like a bookend of joseph's story where he was brought down to to um to be in this Egyptian court, so to speak, uh, in a very different way than he ends up leaving with them as comrades, right? They end up being his family and his community on the way out to be able to comfort him for his father. And that's, that is what I was thinking about when I was connecting this to the end of a year. You never know when you begin a year who you're going to meet and who's going to influence the rest of that year and who would end up by your side or who would end up um, supporting you in a time of need or even just in a mundane time you have we have no idea starting tomorrow by the way you could say this about you know march 2nd also but like let's go with Jan january 1st 2023 well, you have no idea when starting a year who before the next year is going to end up impacting your life and who would end up being these dignitaries, important or not, but the people who would gather with you uh, to be in to be in moments where you would need them most, and that to me is, I think, one of the most important reflections. Is at this time last year, did I know that so and so was going to be such a close friend, or did I know that I was going to end up being so close to so and so because I walked through? A, a grieving moment with their family or did I know right you you just never you never know you never know who you're going to influence and we definitely never know um at the beginning of a year how many people that will impact in those 365 days so the last one I'm going to skip over the middle one here and then go to the last piece which is actually the beginning of Parshat Shmot um 
And the reason I want to do that is because we say chazak, chazak, v'ni chazek in the middle, right? We say it at the end of, of, in the middle of this source sheet, sorry, that was not clear. At the end of the book of Breshid and before the book of, of uh, Shmot, of Exodus. And so what we see here is that Jacob died. We just read that. The passage I'm skipping over is that Joseph died. And then we get to the beginning of, you literally turn the page in our Chumash, right? There's a Haftorah in between. But then you turn the page in our Chumash, you get to the book of Exodus, and it says, And these are the names of the children of Israel, so the children of Jacob, who came towards Mitzrayim. Et Yaakov ish uveto va'u. So of, of Yaakov, um, the, uh, Ish Uveto is, you could either see that as man and their, and his wife, they came, or let's just think of it as households. Um, their whole household came. And then it says, a few, a few verses later, because they just listed the names, so I didn't list the names for all of us here. And a new king came into power in Egypt, and he did not know Joseph. And this is how our story of slavery begins, right? So I think I'm definitely not trying to end on a sour note, but more maybe a realistic note that we spend December 31st, some of us, not all of us, <laughs> present company included. We spend December 31st celebrating and reminiscing and focusing on the way that the year was. And some people will make New Year's resolutions and want for this coming year to be beautiful and better, et cetera, et cetera. And we don't always think about the ways in which we're going to have people remember us or things that we've done remembered or make sure that that which should be changed or that which should not be repeated is not done in the coming year. Right? We do that a lot for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur because it's all about behavior. We don't do that so much in the secular new year. And so I wanted to remind us that at the end of this book that is beautiful and glowing and all about family, being able to come back together, and it's really just the perfect kind of Disney fairy tale at the end of Genesis, that Shmot begins with reminding us that that really isn't reality, that, that as soon as that fairy tale was out of the picture, then all of a sudden we had, we had real hardships. I hope that this coming year does not bring that for us. And I hope that December 31st does not turn into January 1st and have us not remembering who, who we were and what we've done and all of that. But I do hope that we keep in mind the things that we've done really well and that we continue to do those things and we move them forward into the coming year. And also think of the ways that we've missed the mark because we're really good at that on Rosh Hashanah and not necessarily as good for the secular new year and the ways that we can make that better in the coming year. Because had this king potentially known of Joseph or had his legacy been brought down for the generations for the king to have known who he was and what he did for not only his own people, but also for the people of Egypt, potentially we would have had a very different story for the book of Exodus. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. 
For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.